Are you preparing for bariatric surgery? Or maybe you just had it recently. What questions are on your mind that you wished you had asked your surgeon? Stay right where you are because bariatric surgeon Dr. Andre Teixeira is in the house answering your questions. Looking to change up your vitamin routine? ProCare has a new multivitamin soft chew that comes with three delicious fruit flavors. With flexible dosing, you can accommodate your whole family's vitamin needs, and it even includes iron. Paired with calcium chews and our new protein powder. Visit ProCareNow.com and use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell, ex-radio dietitian turned podcaster. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 98. I'm here to help you cut through all the health hype, give you accurate, evidence-based information worthy of the time and all the efforts that you're putting in. Simple, step-by-step strategies that change your life now. I want you to feel well every day. Get out there. Do the things you want to do. This podcast, it's for you. Joining me today is bariatric surgeon, Dr. Andre Teixeira. He's a board-certified bariatric physician for Orlando Health Physicians Bariatric and Laparoscopy Center here in Orlando, Florida. And he also works with bariatric dietitian, Gail Smith, whom you know, and who joins me regularly on the podcast. In fact, I recently read a journal article in Obesity Surgery written by Dr. Teixeira, Gail, and two other professionals on low-calorie sweeteners. You can find all his contact information in the show notes. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Teixeira. Thank you for the opportunity to join. Well, we're so glad you're here. When you see a potential surgery patient for the first time, what are the most common questions that you're asked? So, you know, there's always the question of, is this the right surgery for me? I mean, should I do this? Am I, am I a candidate? for this operation, uh, what are the risks, what are the benefits, right? Mm-hmm. So the tricky part is what I tell the patients is, if you are here, that means you've done everything before you try to commit yourself to surgery, meaning the def- different diets, um, exercise programs, um, the new thing, the keto diet and so forth. And then you also have to bring the patient to reality, meaning Look at your BMI, right? Your BMI is 40, right? And, and it has the, the difference is our normalcy in the U.S. has changed. Bariatric patients, the population has become larger in America. So our reference point is switching. So that's become also an interesting thing, right? Because some people think a BMI of 40 or 50, you're not getting it for surgery. You are getting it for surgery for sure. And, you know, I love what you just said and that, we have to have reality checks. And oftentimes, sometimes I think people think bariatric surgery is the end all be all and that once that's done, they're done. They don't have to worry about what they eat anymore. They don't have to worry about that. And I think it's often misleading. So I love that you said that you have bariatric, I mean, uh, that you have reality checks with your potential mm-hmm. patients. I think that's terrific. So I have a, a private Facebook group, I think I was telling you about, and We have a lot of chatter that goes on in there and have questions from my group for you because they know that you're coming on. So I'm going to throw some out to you and let you answer them. So the first one that I got said, you know what, will I stop losing weight at a certain point and then gain it all back? Yeah, so this is a very common question, right? What, What people have to understand is 
nothing that I do or any bariatric surgeon does is fail proof, right? Basically, what we're doing is just providing the patient with a tool, right? So you have to take the tool with your lifestyle change and combine both of them. One without the other doesn't work, right? So in the end of the day, you still have to do your part of the game. If you want to have surgery and the only muscle you want to work is the thumb for the remote control, it's only going to work for three years and that's it. If you don't want to change your sweet habits, right, it's not going to work either. And also, which is the tricky part of this, is matching the, the right procedure with the patient, right, with the and right so patient. Speaking on that, I love that. Do you have certain um, protocol in your mind or a, as you're talking to them that you're thinking, okay, this procedure is going to fit because of, are there things that you're looking for that help you determine which procedure mm -hmm. you're going to choose? Would you share that with us? Oh, 100%. So one of the biggest things is a lot of people come here and say, I want to have sleeves, right? The mm -hmm. sleeves become the new or has been the new trend. Right. The problem is if you do a sleeve in your big, sweet eater, carb eater, you're going to regain your weight within three years, right? So that's one thing. Second thing, patients with high can BMI. I, can I stop you right there? Because I know people are going to go, Why? Why? And I think I know what I think, what I would think, but I want to hear what you think. <laughs> Why yeah, do you say yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, because, because so if we think about it, right, a bypass, if we eat a lot of sweets and sugar or carbs, you get sick, you have dumping. So then you say, okay, I don't want to do this because I don't feel good. Right. With a sleeve, there are very, very, very few people that can have dumping symptoms after they eat sweets on a sleeve. So it's pretty rare. So what happened is, you have your, your regular high-protein, you know, low-carb lunch. And then midday, you say, you know what? I'm going to have a slice of cake. Well, you ate that slice of cake. Now, by dinner, you feel, okay, I'm going to have my little bit of my um, uh, protein. Well, but I already ate more calories than you should, right? Mm -hmm. So and it's like, it's like I, my, the biggest thing is I don't see a ex-drug user experimenting drugs again right? Because they're going to go right back to it. So if we get, we take someone as a sugar addict and you go back to try sugar again, it's going to go back to old yeah. habits. You know, so, Dr. Uh, Teixeira, I call those slider foods. <laughs> you yeah, probably heard yeah. Gail say that same thing. And it's the word, it's all those foods that we reach for when I, when life gets tough. Stress equals dessert spelled backwards, you know, and that's what exactly. people do. They start reaching for them. And those slider foods never fill us up. They don't give us the restriction we should feel mm -hmm. from a surgery. And they're easy just to slide right through and not even be aware of how much the calories or anything. So it, it is easier, I think, to reach for those slider feeds and see that regain that you're talking about. A hundred percent. I mean, you have to look at this as your second chance, right? So, I mean, there's no, you have to do a part of the game. So that's why when you, we look at the patients, I look and make sure what kind of food they eat, I see what medical issues they have, right? Because my goal, too, is not just the weight loss, guys. Our goal is to get you off 
most of your medications, they get rid of most of your disease, right? Right. Oh, I love comes, that. Improve yeah. your diabetes and lower your blood yeah. pressure. Sure. Everything. Yeah. It's so great. But what I really like is the fact that you say that you take the time to make sure the fit is right. It, it's like nutrition. It used to be everybody did one thing. And, and now we know genetically and everything else, nutrition is very personalized and you want it to work. Mm-hmm. And a bariatric nutrition plan is very personalized. It has to be a certain way. And I love that you're looking for the, the surgery procedure that's going to be the best fit for your patient, not just a, okay, here we go. I think that's, 100%. Ter- that's terrific. Okay. So next question. The, uh, the question is, I feel like I'm a slow loser. How much weight is average loss post-surgery? So that's a great question, right? We get answer, we get asked that question all the time, <laughs> right? There is really not a true number, right? You have to look at it. There are some patients that respond, what we used to call in a slide curve of weight. So weight with time, right? So you slowly lose. It just takes longer to get what you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Two, there's some people that it's called the rapid losers. They look just big slump down and then they plateau faster, right? Well, I don't like that because it, patients think they're going to be losing nonstop forever, right? And then you have what's called the stairway, right? So you lose plateau, lose plateau, right? I like that because it gives time for the patient to, to make their change activity-wise, um, make their um, modifications slowly, right? So I think sometimes that in the psych of the patient is better. And, and you know, it's interesting that you say that because yesterday we had someone post in the group and they said, I have a question. What is a plateau and have I reached it? And they said, you know, I've had my, I had my surgery a couple of months ago. I've lost. Now I've stopped. And I don't know if I should up my exercise or up my protein, but explain to me what a plateau was. And so I think what you're saying is a great way to help them understand that because this is obviously very common. Correct. So the plateau is always a, a, a part of your body say, hey, what's going on here? Why am I losing weight? I mean, it just kind of sort of regulating itself. So the way to trick, like like you said, you add more protein, you eat some things around, change a little bit your, your diet for a week or so. A big thing to jumpstart is, let's say, if you used to train exercise every morning, for a week you do in the evening, and then you go back in the morning. So it kind of tricks your body and you start losing again. So Plateaus are always, always normal. Always normal, right? Good. I'm so glad that you shared that. Okay, next question. What is the percent success keeping the lost weight, is there what they mean, after a sleeve on long-term, five to 10 years down the road? Good question, right? So we don't look at percent success, right? We look at the failure rate, right? So when you look at the failure rate, so the problem is there's really not truly holy grail definition of, of failure rate. Failure rate can be losing less than 50% of estimated weight body, right? Losing less than um, 12% of total body weight, not getting off your insulin, not getting rid of diabetes. So there's so many different definitions, right? But the most common definition is not losing more than 50% of your estimated weight loss, right? So that, but that's, that's a number that was given Right. The question is, if you could take someone that loses 200 pounds and that's like 30 percent, I mean, you still lost 200 pounds, which Absolutely. is a great number. Right. <laughs> yeah, you so, bet. 
Yeah, so for me, success is in the eye of the beholder, right? So you could have lost 10% or got rid of all your medical issues. So the, the surgery worked for you more than a metabolic perspective. That's still going to make you live longer, right? Then more of a weight perspective. Of course, those are rare, right? Those are rare because most of the time they come together, weight and, and, and um, getting rid of the medications. But if you take, for example, sleeves, sleeve has about a 25 to 28% failure rate, right? Long term, okay? Granted, if you add that on patient as a sugar eater, a carb eater that got the wrong operation, then the chance of them going back to their weight regain is pretty high. Right. right? So again, same. wrong operation. I like that you just exactly. said that. Wrong choice for them. Yeah. Same thing with a I sleeve when a BMI greater than 50. Unless if you're planning to do a two-step operation, then which is a sleeve and then a switch, a sleeve with a BMI greater than 50, they have less than 5% have a BMI less than 30 and you know, it's in, I like where you said it's in uh, the eyes of the beholder, because for some people, it's about weight loss, but some people, it's about getting their health in better shape. For some, it's about Correct. both. So the eyes of your success is really how you feel about it and what, you're, what you think. I, I like that. So then this just the standard question you probably get asked all the time, and it's a broad one. How much weight will I lose? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good question too, right? So I, there's no way for me or anybody to predict, right, how much weight you're going to lose. We can give you what's called an ideal body weight, right? We can calculate that. But that doesn't take a lot of things in consideration. It doesn't take how old you are. It doesn't take where you come from, genetics. It doesn't take how many kids you had, you know, if you're a woman and so forth. So it doesn't take a lot of things in that perspective, right? So, and, and it also doesn't take a lot of uh, your medical issues. Like if you're a bad heart patient, pulmonary patient, all that kind of hinders, right? When we come, so what I do, I do a little bit different. We do a little bit different in our practice. We said, I'll give you a deal, by the way, but knowing this is not the perfect number, right? And then we set short-term goals, right? Because for me to make you lose, say I want you to be lose 150 pounds in 12 months, that's a very long goal. Plus, say, it's overwhelming. I mean, it's overwhelming. Exactly. You hear that? And you're like, really? Are you kidding exactly. me? Exactly. Let's just try tomorrow. You know, the next day, next week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So, so we we make ahead, it short yeah. goals. That's all. We just make short goals, like every two months, you know, and so forth, and just. You have well, to you, up that way. You see changes every two months, and a lot of times you have to kind of reevaluate where they are and what they need next and what they need to tweak, just like the plateau that we were just talking about a little bit ago. 100%. So this fits with the next question. I am two years post-op, and I have not lost as much weight as I would like. I'm not at 100 pounds yet. No gains, though. Will this change? So good question, right? Depends on what surgery they had, right? Also, going back to the reality check, right? So some patients come to us, you're 50 years old, let's just put a number, right? And they say, and they show a picture when they were 19. <laughs> I can't, I mean, it's going to be very difficult for you to go back to that weight, right? So you have to be re realistic in, a, in your expectation it has to be real, right? Mm -hmm. And there are some patients that we will require to have plastic surgery to be able to um, 
lose more weight because sometimes of the excess skin is so much they hinders them the level of activity to go higher, right? Sure, sweats, rash. So all that comes into play. So this is a question I want to ask that I'm just thinking, how often do you do revisions? Is that common? More common than you would like it to be? Or tell us about revisions and and explain what revisions are. Yeah. So revisions are, you can convert, uh, uh, there are two ways, right? Revisions and and, and, um, yeah, conversions, right? So revisions, if someone has a weight regain, we can co- revise their bypass. We can convert the sleeve to a bypass or sleeve to DS or bypass to DS. So usually those are for weight, right? Gain, uh, gain right? But it also has revisions for complications like ulcers, perforations, and so forth, right? Which is a different animal. Right. Here we're talking about for weight. So it depends on how you develop your practice, right? So my practice here is pretty known for revisions and complex work too, right? So we do the primary work, of course, but also we do revisions almost every week because we have people flying in from different areas, right, just to have surgery by us because we do so much, especially do all dental switches, right? We're really expert on that. Um, And we convert a lot of bypasses to switches and so forth, So, which is a very large operation. Um, So if you think about it, you know, you put in an average about 200,000 surgeries done a year, right, in the United States. I mean, you're going to have a percentage of revision of, of this, right? You know, if it is 10%, which is 20,000, right? So I'm not so sure if it is that high, right? Um, we don't have that number of revisions uh, nationally. Uh, but depends on the kind of side you practice. My practice, I see it every week, right? Sometimes yeah, I feel like practice. I just have a, yeah. Sure, makes Sometimes sense. I think I have a practice, revision practice, but that's okay. I like what I do. So. <laughs> so as we wrap up, what takeaways do you want to leave us with that you always want your patients to know or to think about? Great, great opportunity. So I think that a patient should understand because your friend or your family member had Operation X, it does not mean that's the best operation for you, right? You need to understand and listen to the surgeon that's talking to you and give you the reasons why he thinks this is the best operation for you. Most surgeons that I know tend to look for the operations that will give you best benefit for you long-term. We really don't care about the three years or four years outcome. I mean, we care, but we care more is that you're not going to come back for weight regain because you went back to your habits. Make sense? Makes sense. It is important that you understand that when you leave the practice and you're comfortable, if I say, hey, listen, you should have a switch because of this and this and this, and then you go home, you look at Facebook, you look at Google, you look at your friends, and decide to do something else because of that. And then you're going to regret because it's going to be more difficult for you to get revisions nowadays. So a lot of insurance are not covering those anymore. So you have to be careful. 
Well, you heard it right here. This is very personalized. The, the surgery that you have is very specific to you, your disease state, your other health issues, and your needs. Thank you, Dr. Teixeira. That, that's a really a lot of great information. I, I so appreciate that you took time away from a super busy surgery schedule to, to not just be available, but to answer all of these questions. I know that my listeners appreciate you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Anytime I'm available for you guys. You're welcome. Well, don't forget, if you're not receiving the weekly Breaking Down Nutrition newsletter, you can sign up for it right now on the homepage of my website, breakingdownnutrition.com. You'll be the first to hear about the podcast episodes, tips, recipes, new products, whatever it is. I'm all about your success because you're worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.